plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are Locked On Jaguars, your daily podcast on the Jacksonville Jaguars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kerry Belkin here with you again on Locked On Jaguars. Locked On Jaguars is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Don't forget to check out Locked On NFL and Locked On NBA The Locked On Podcast Network is dedicated to giving you your favorite team every single day of the week. So yesterday, one of the five takeaways that I had listed from the Kansas City Chiefs game was the turnover differential. Uh, And it really cost the Jaguars the game, and it has cost them a lot of games this year. Uh, They've made a lot of mistakes this year. Uh, They surrendered four turnovers to the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs had no turnovers. uh, And that's been sort of this ongoing theme for the Jaguars this year is they create all these turnovers on offense, but they can't create any on defense. The Jaguars have the worst turnover differential in the NFL as of now at minus 12. They haven't been able to create a turnover on defense, and this is an incredible stat to me. They haven't been able to create a turnover on defense since week four against the Colts in the first quarter of that game in London. It's a mind-blowing statistic, really, and and it really is indicative of why this team has a 2-6 and record. They give up the ball so much, but for some reason, they can't seem to take the ball away from opposing teams. And what's astounding about it is that they really have all these playmakers on the defensive side of the ball, but none of them are able, seemingly, to force any kind of turnover. I went back and looked at every team in the NFL at every team's turnover margin, there are 15 total teams in the NFL today with a turnover differential above zero. And of those 15 teams, only three of them are not 500 and above. In the bottom half of the NFL... Of the remaining 17 teams that are either at zero or negative in the turnover margin area, six of them are at 500 or above. Jacksonville has the worst turnover differential in the league at minus 12, 
And to put that in perspective, the Cleveland Browns, who are overall the worst team in the league, who have the worst record in the league, they still have yet to win a game, are tied for 24th in the NFL in turnover margin at minus 4. Their turnover margin is greater than the Jaguars' turnover margin by 8. That is bad. Another team that's pretty bad, that's right there in the the Jaguars' echelon of bad in the NFL, are the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears are 20th in the NFL with a minus 2 differential. They are 10 turnovers better than the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's an awful stat for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they know it. After the game, there were quite a number of players that expressed frustration in the way that they handed the Chiefs the ball and, in essence, the win. One of those players to express frustration was Mercedes Lewis, the team's second tight end, who was quoted as saying, I'm tired of sitting here every week talking about the same expletive. We can't always be here talking about it's always something, something's got always got to happen. It's a bad situation and we just have to fix it. It's an interesting position to be in for the Jaguars. Something's got to give either one way or another. Either Blake Bortles stops throwing interceptions and they stop fumbling the ball or the defenders actually get interceptions and force these fumbles. And maybe it's a situation that begins to rectify itself coming up here against the Houston Texans with Brock Osweiler, who has turned out to be, well, less than what the Texans had hoped he would be. He's an erratic quarterback, and maybe maybe the Jaguars' defense can feast off that a little bit. We'll have to see going forward. All right, another interesting tidbit relates to Jacksonville's struggles on special teams, specifically in the punt return game. These past three weeks, they've had three different players start as the punt returner. The normal guy is Rashard Green, uh, but Green has been battling an Achilles problem for the past four weeks uh, and hasn't played. He entered the year as Jacksonville's number one punt returner, has been dealing with the injury to his Achilles, uh, whatever that may be. The Tennessee game featured Marquise Lee as the punt returner, and last game, Brian Walters was featured as the punt returner. In each of the last three games, there have been special teams blunders, including fumbles, and poor decision-making, especially in the case of Richard Green, who fielded a punt uh, within the Jacksonville 10-yard line during the Oakland game. Marquise Lee fumbled during the Tennessee game, and Brian Walters fumbled during the Kansas City game. Apparently... It's become so much of a problem that Gus Bradley has decided that they will have an open competition for the starting punt returner spot. I would say that it's likely Green 
manages to retain that spot if he's healthy, but given the way that they've performed, it wouldn't be a surprise if if any one of them were to take the spot, as none of them have been impressive while they've been back there this year anyway. Green's numbers are way down from last year. He averaged 16-ish yards uh, per, per punt return. That's been cut in half, and we've just established that he's been injured for much of the past month. But you know, yesterday I did mention, I mentioned Marquise Lee, and I mentioned finding ways to get him more involved in the game because he seems to be quite the playmaker for the Jaguars. He's been their, arguably their best offensive weapon all year, and if he manages to hold on to the ball, there could be good things coming from him should he manage to win that position. So there you go. There's a there's another storyline you could pay attention to as we get closer here to the uh, to the Texans game. Be on the lookout for the starting punt returner. You know, I wonder when the last time the New England Patriots have had to worry about their starting punt returner. Probably not in years because, you know, they're always competing for Super Bowls. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Okay, last week I talked a little bit about the rookie defensive end Yannick Ngakwe and his prospects for becoming the defensive rookie of the year in the NFL this year. I think that Ngakwe has pretty good chances of becoming this year's rookie of the year on defense. He's performed pretty well, um, and teams are really starting to to double team him now they're they're starting to pick him on the uh on the Jaguars defensive line and make sure that if anybody he's not going to be the one to get there there are really only two other defensive rookies that come to mind when talking about defensive rookie of the year that would possibly beat him out one of which is Joey Bosa San Diego's rookie defensive end who had the contractual a dispute with the Chargers, and ended up not playing until I think the third game of the season. But since he's been in, he's been really successful. In his first game, he registered two sacks and has put on a show for them over in San Diego. And the other guy that would potentially beat out Ngakwe, and who's probably already in the lead uh, for Defensive Rookie of the Year, this part of the season is Jacksonville's cornerback Jalen Ramsey, so his own teammate. I was looking around and found that ESPN writer Bill Barnwell agrees with Ramsey becoming the league's defensive rookie of the year. If you were to end the season today, he would have Jalen Ramsey winning it. I don't see a problem with it. Uh, Ramsey has performed really well. He sort of had that moment, that standout moment. A lot of times in college, you talk about the Heisman moment. In essence, that signature moment that almost guarantees that player the trophy. Like Derrick Henry's Heisman moment last year was rolling through the LSU Tigers. Jameis Winston's Heisman moment was the game 
against Clemson, where he walked into Clemson and helped the Florida State Seminoles blow them out back in 2013. Jalen Ramsey has already had his Heisman moment of sorts, uh, and that came against the Bears when he was able to get the clutch pass defense and knock the ball away from a Bears receiver on fourth down that ultimately ended the game and allowed Jacksonville to win the game. So he's already had his Heisman moment, his Defensive Rookie of the Year moment. Uh, What surprises me is that there doesn't really seem to be much consternation about giving Ramsey the award. I would have expected maybe a little pushback because of some of the things that he said, maybe some of the the antics he's engaged in while a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars. The first thing that comes to mind, as I pointed out last week, was the altercation with Steve Smith on and off the field. Um, they They almost got into a fight on the field. Uh, Steve Smith approached him after the game. Jalen Ramsey just kind of ignored him, walked into the locker room, and then blasted him and said that he didn't respect him. Hell, he called out Aaron Rodgers after the first game, saying that Aaron Rodgers was scared to throw in his direction. So he had well set the stage for the Steve Smith confrontation even before Baltimore even walked into, into Everbank that week. And then you look at him getting ejected following Malik Jackson's ejection in the Oakland Raiders game, which was sort of the collapse, the implosion of that Jaguars team. Those two ejections sort of signified that this team had given up. They were just getting frustrated, and they had completely given up on the game. And following that loss... Ramsey wasn't even in the locker room, neither was Malik Jackson. Neither of them were in the locker room to answer questions following the loss. He hasn't had really many bad games. Actually, I don't think he's had any bad games apart from the Tennessee game on Thursday night in front of the national audience, but that was just a bad game all around for the entire team. As far as him winning the award... I wouldn't see any problem with it because he has probably been the best defensive rookie in the NFL this year, and he's probably one of the top three players on this team, the Jaguars team as a whole, so far this year. And you could make the case that Yannick Ngakwe is also one of the top three players on this team in terms of performance this year. And if you're going to talk about solely defense, I'm not sure that you can make the argument for those two not to be one and two in terms of the best players on defense this year. I do think, though, that Jalen has a tremendous opportunity possibly to seal the award and guarantee himself becoming the defensive rookie of the year here with this Houston game. And I say that because he's probably going to be matched up against an elite wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. I think that should he be able to limit DeAndre Hopkins in this game, it would it would serve as a good push for him to possibly win the award down the road. And he's going to be helped a lot by Brock Osweiler because Brock Osweiler has been entirely erratic and has made incredibly poor throws 
So I think that does benefit Ramsey, and I do think that Ramsey will put on a good performance here this week against the Texans. And should he do that, we'll be talking about Jalen Ramsey and the Defensive Rookie of the Year a lot more. All right, guys, that's going to do it for Locked On Jaguars today. Locked On Jaguars is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Don't forget to check out Locked On NFL and Locked On NBA. The Locked On Podcast Network is dedicated to getting you your favorite team every single day. See you tomorrow. Have a good one.